Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk. I'm Kat Troyer. I'm Liz Bronson. And today we're going to talk about the interview. So you got the interview. Last episode, we talked about the job search process up to the interview. And if you missed that episode, we recommend that you listen to it before starting your search because we shared a bunch of information about best practices before beginning your job search, like knowing what you want in a new job and knowing why you want a new job. What is the true motivation for your search? And taking specific circumstances into consideration, like what are your boundaries? How much travel are you willing to do? What do you need to be happy? And in that is your inside and outside considerations, as well as talking to your people, Mm -hmm. both professional and personal saying, what do you think I should do? Or what do you, where direction do you see me going? Or I'm thinking about exploring this. What do you think about it? And so consulting with your board of directors to make sure that your vision is on track. Yep. And making sure that you do the upfront work to make sure that you have clarity about the ideal job that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And also just making sure you have the energy to get a new job. Are you ready? So a lot of different check-ins with a lot of different people, a lot of soul searching and thought goes into it, and then you're ready, and then you put yourself out there, and then, Kat, what happens? And then they call you for an interview. They like you. They really like you. At least they like your resume. It's first date time. We're going to get to know each other. And I love that dating analogy when it comes to job searches. So I'm going to use it a lot. But every company has their own sort of specialized job search process, but they all run the gamut of a relatively similar trend. Starting with a screen with a recruiter, sometimes inside, sometimes outside. And again, talk to our other episode about that, but also then you talk with a manager or a member of the team for another screen. Sometimes there's a skills interview depending on the kind of job you do. And then usually there's two rounds of in-person interview, one with more peers and direct management and one with more executive management. Again, is this the formula for everybody? No. Can job searches be all kinds of things, Kat? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen all sorts of crazy kind of processes over the years. There is absolutely nothing wrong with asking about the job search process on that first phone screen. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. That gives you the layout of the land and what you can expect. And I would say that that's the best question to ask at the beginning. Ask the recruiter. If you're working with an outside recruiter, you can ask them. Also ask the inside recruiter. If you have an internal recruiting resource, ask them about the process. They're going to be the most up to date with it. But at each stage in the process, when you're getting feedback or they're saying, yep, we like you, we want to move forward. It's a great time to say, what can I expect next? And when can I expect it? Those are some things to be aware of and to find out up front because maybe it's, oh, we're screening a bunch of candidates. We'll get back to you in three weeks with who's moving on to the next round. You don't want to spend those three weeks wondering why they didn't call. Again, back to dating. Be clear, be open, and set expectations. And right, even if the best recruiting team is giving you a process, a lot of times the process doesn't always go as planned. Just because you haven't heard back within a week doesn't mean 
that they're not interested in you. I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I interviewed on Friday and it's Tuesday and I haven't heard anything. Just like take a chill pill, take a couple breaths Mm -hmm. and don't think that you're out of the process because there are a number of things going on behind the scenes. And often, you know, it's about getting feedback and a lot of times the hiring manager is, is responsible for recruiting for this position, but they're not, you know, it's not the number one priority on their desk, like actually doing their job and making sure that whatever their operations that they're responsible for are going smoothly. So many, many, many times there are stalls in the process that have absolutely nothing to do with the candidate and nothing to do with the recruiter. Mm-hmm. The recruiter, again, may be managing 10 jobs mm-hmm. and that's a lot of details to manage. Or I can think of a candidate that I finally got back to today that I talked to two weeks ago. And the hiring manager in that time has been to two conferences and is going to another one on Monday. And so as much as I have slacked him, emailed him and texted him, please check out my candidate. He hadn't gotten to it until today. Mm -hmm. Now, what the candidate did that was smart was I had checked in with them after week one saying, I'm trying, but I hadn't checked in yet this week. And he checked in with me. I was like, thank you. I'm so sorry. Conferences. It wasn't about him at all. It was about the manager. And so he checked in appropriately. And that is big tip. Number one, ask about the process and what to expect at each step of the way. And also check in. Now, You have the phone screen with the recruiter on Monday. Do you call Monday night? Hey, did you hear anything? No. No. Wait at least a week. Wait. And sometimes, like, I'll say to people, hey, if you haven't heard from me by Friday, please check in. I don't want anything to fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. But not everybody does that. But I I would say four or five days a week max. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, Kat, have you heard anything? Nothing wrong with checking in. Nothing wrong with it. And sometimes that'll work. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have that person on my list and I hadn't checked in for a few days. I need to ping the manager again. It's totally appropriate. Mm -hmm. But that being said, ghosting happens and sometimes you don't know why and you just can't, you can't dwell on it. You've got to move on. And I would say when you're in the interview process with different companies, it's nice to keep the recruiter updated as where, you know, hey, I just received an offer and maybe they can fast track you or something like that. But don't stop. Don't look at one company at a time. Don't stop a recruiting process. Yeah. You want to you want to be casting a wide net in your job search. Yep. Try to stay positive and don't make judgments based on guesses because there's a lot going on behind behind the scenes. And Just FYI, when you come across as a candidate with an edge who's making judgments, because often (laughs) that happens, well, maybe not often, but sometimes that happens. And that can sometimes be a red flag if you're complaining in that process. Mm -hmm. Again, there's a lot going on that some people don't have control over. And so never kill the messenger, but don't stop. Like, hey, if you're awesome and you would be perfect for the role and they don't get back to you or they don't move fast enough and you get another great role, that's their bad. And hopefully they'll learn from it and adjust their process. Partner with the recruiter is the best mm-hmm. advice we have for you. So if you know, that's one of the things that I always would say when I was doing production recruiting, hey, I need you to let me know if there's any changes going on in your search because mm-hmm. you know that's important information for us to know because I might be able to make some quick changes if you've got 
you know, if you're about to go into a third interview or if you have an offer. Yes. We want a, as few surprises as possible mm-hmm. throughout the process. So, and that happens, that happens when people communicate. Mm-hmm. And that being said, Kat, a lot of companies have really bad recruiting processes. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of, and a lot of ghosting happens. Yeah. And it really does. And it gives the recruiter a bad name. It gives the whole kind of industry a bad kind of, you know, sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. A taint. Um, a taint. But, but. If they have a bad recruiting process, you're also gathering information. And, and and another thing that is so important that we want to talk about in this um, in this podcast today is about you being your own advocate. You need to find out all the information that you need to make your decision, and you need to be using that list that we made in the last episode about your needs and wants and must-haves and nice-to-haves. But you're asking a ton of questions. You're also looking for clues. You're a detective. What is this company really like? What's their process like? And so if their recruiting process is terrible, that's a giant red flag that maybe some of their other processes are terrible. It's a reflection directly on the company culture. Mm -hmm. So that's really good information. And I talk to folks who are devastated when they don't hear back and they think it's personal Mm -hmm. and it may not be personal at all. It may be that it's a crappy and careless person running the, running the recruiting process or a a crappy hiring manager who doesn't communicate. Mm -hmm. So the recruiter may actually be reaching out multiple times to try to get information, but you know, sometimes you can't get blood from a turnip, right? (laughs) <laughs> or it could be a great hiring manager and a crappy recruiter yeah. who doesn't get back to their people. Exactly. It's up to you, though, as the detective to figure that out. And you can follow up with either the recruiter or the hiring manager. If you've met them, you've started to build rapport like, hey, I haven't heard back from the recruiter. Are there any updates on the role? And maybe that's how you find out the information. Try the recruiter first because that's the right process. But if, if they're not getting back to you, try your next level person and you may find out that the issue is not with the actual job and hiring manager, but with the people supporting them. Don't give up hope just because you haven't heard back. Make sure that you follow through and follow up appropriately and then gather data. Yeah. And if both parties don't get back to you, that's data. That's information. Yeah. And that would be a red flag for me as a candidate. I don't want to work a place that doesn't respect me enough to give me a call back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially when they realize that they hadn't called me back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I've given the, them the opportunity to right or wrong and they don't take it, I don't want to work there. Well, it speaks to it speaks to their character and it speaks to the company culture. Whether that's true or not, it's how it's read. It's how you're perceiving it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It speaks to decisiveness. Mm-hmm. If you can't make a decision, so you keep me, one of my least favorite terms, Kat, is on the bench. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's put them on the bench. Oh, the bench is no man's land. Just make a decision. Yeah. If that means they're lukewarm about you and you don't want to work for a company that's lukewarm, yeah. you want you want a company mm-hmm. that's excited and that you're excited and it feels like a good fit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bingo. As a part of that though, you are making sure that you are always so kind and so thankful and everything to that recruiter so that they like you and call you back. When you walk in the front door, the receptionist, the recruiting coordinator who has to reschedule you a million times because so-and-so has a meeting and -and so-and-so is out of the office, you appreciate their hard work. You're thankful because when you're not- It gets back. It gets back. And anyone in the process can, can impact your candidacy if you've been rude to them. 
Absolutely. You think that when someone's rude to the receptionist that they don't tell the recruiter? They absolutely do. And I've turned people down because they were rude to someone who they had just dismissed. And that a recruiting coordinator has ended people's journey mm-hmm. at companies I worked for because that's not who my managers want on their team. Nope. So always be nice. What else, Kat? What what else at, in terms of like overall preparation? So you know you're going to be nice. You know you're going to follow up appropriately. Uh, what else are you going to do to prepare? You're going to be doing some research on the company. Yes. Beyond just the website. Yes. I mean, if you're in any kind of technology, you've downloaded the technology and use it and have feedback on it. Mm-hmm. If you're in marketing, you've looked at their marketing materials and you've got feedback on it. You're not going to be super negative Nelly because nobody likes that person. But you're going to say, I noticed how you've been doing mostly blogs and don't have any video content. Why is that your decision? Why has that been your strategy? Are you looking to do more video? What an intelligent, insightful, well-researched question that was. A lot of your press has been in these publications. Have you thought about these ones that could really increase your, the awareness of your products? I have seen hiring managers feel pretty good about a candidate, but because they didn't ask any thoughtful questions at the end of the interview, they passed on them. Even though they were qualified and they were a decent candidate, asking questions is really, really important. It speaks to communication skills. It speaks to curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. To interest level on the position. So make sure to be prepared with some questions that show that you've done some research. And ask each person who interviews you along the way, at least two questions. And have them not be all the same questions because that gets back to. Yes. But that being said, I love and tell people to ask the culture question. What's it like to work here? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say, Liz. Yes. Get the culture question to everyone because you want to see, are the responses similar? Mm -hmm. You want that. You want there to be a a cohesiveness to the answers. You know, if people are saying really, really different things, another red flag, because it's the interview. You've got the interview, but guess what? You're interviewing too. And it's crucial. Their lives don't change. Yours does. Mm -hmm. That's it. Your life changes the most out of anyone in that room. So why wouldn't you be in the driver's seat asking the questions? Plus, people love to talk. So when you get them talking, then they think they start liking you. It's just a psychological. Yeah. When, when, when you are interested in the other person across the table or on the other side of the phone or on a video conference, when you show that you're interested in them, all of a sudden you become a little bit more interesting. It's fascinating how that works. And you just said video call and I do a lot of video calls and just little tip here on video calls. Don't be answering your, your texts and your slacks. You are not typing at all unless you're both like, Oh, I need to go-. You're both Googling something to jog a memory and do not take that interview time as the time to look at their website. You've done that before. Yeah. Cat, we've seen it all. But that all being said, the questions that you put together before the interview should probably be based on who you're meeting with. If I know I'm meeting with a marketing person, a salesperson, and an accounting person, I'm not going to ask the accounting person about sales strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tailor my questions. And if you don't know who you're meeting with, ask. Mm-hmm. Do not go in blind. Every single person that you meet with, you should have looked at their LinkedIn profile, a professional profile, whatever's appropriate. You should have done some research on them so you know who they are. And Mm -hmm. guess what? 
you might have gone to the same college or you might have worked at the same company at the same time but not known each other. Find ways to connect with each person. How prepared do you look when you're like, oh yeah, Kat, you and I both worked at Barclays years ago. I mm-hmm. can't believe we never ran into each other. Did you know Joe Schmo? Oh, Joe, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Do your research. Have questions that are appropriate for each person that are different, except for the culture question. Ask that to everybody. And be ready with your answers. Before you interview, so important to come up with your good stories. Mm-hmm. So Kat, what are some stories you should prepare? Liz isn't saying write down a novel, right? She's talking about having the stories that reflect your history and the stories that are going to show that you have the competencies for the job. Many companies use behavioral interviewing techniques. What they're basically saying is, tell me a story about a time when you did X. Tell me about the Y and the Z. Mm -hmm. And so just be prepared to have some stories about your successes and weave those in through the interview. Again, don't have the same story for each person. Have some different ones. You need to have in your pocket two examples of, tell me about a time when you learned something new through a project. So two examples of learning, two examples of failure, two examples of teamwork, two of flexibility, Mm -hmm. success. And if you're a manager, have an example of a management success and a management failure. And be prepared to share them, especially failures happen. And to pretend that you've never had a failure is going to not land you the job. So be prepared to share a failure that's not going to make you look like too much of an ass. Oh my God. And if you get the, what is your weakness question? If you say I work too hard, I'm going to personally come to your house. How many times have we heard that? Oh my God. I used to ask it just to like tally it. It was so (laughs) bad. But say a real weakness. I mean, like, guess what? I sometimes rush to get things done and don't slow myself down. That is a real true weakness of mine. And it's something I'm aware of, showing self-awareness by saying it. The smart person will say, what do you do about that? And I, I can answer that question truthfully. Right. But I'm real. If details are challenging, it's okay to be honest about that. I'm more of a big, mm-hmm. big picture person. And when things are busy, sometimes the details are challenging. That's why I use Todoist or that's why I use Evernote. I write everything down on a tablet because I, I want to make sure I don't forget it. And I loop back and I close my day out. You mm-hmm. can talk about your process. Yeah. I've learned all sorts of organizational tools because when I was a recruiter and at one point when I was at Schwab, I had 40 jobs on my calendar. I mean, how that, that's a crazy amount. I had to write everything down and I worked really long hours and I did it. I filled 300 jobs in two years there. It was crazy. I mean, it, it was production. It was many of the same kind of roles. It wasn't like I was recruiting, you know, it wasn't like they were all director level positions, but there were several director level positions mm-hmm. in that 300. Really? You can really learn something about a candidate and you can, can share where your challenges are and how you've, when you share your challenges, you're also sharing your problem solving skills. Totally. And when asked about challenges and failures, et cetera, if you don't weave in what you learn from it and what you would change, I always ask, if hindsight were 2020, what would you have done different? 
And I really want to hear how they look back on it. Making the mistake isn't the problem. Did they get, did they grasp the learning opportunity from the mistake? Because in my company, we're okay with mistakes. I mean, we try not to deliver mistakes to our clients, but Mm -hmm. if a mistake happens, okay, what do we learn from it? Yeah. And, and okay, use that learning when you approach a similar problem next time. Mistakes are good. I mean, you know, I mean, within reason. That's how we grow. Yeah. But if when you're talking about something that didn't go well, if all you do is point fingers, complain or be negative and not take responsibility, mm, not a good strategy. I said I didn't want Jimmy on my team and then he was and then he ruined everything. Yeah. And you're not going to get this job, friend. Not a good strategy. Mm -hmm. So absolutely have your stories ready. You are going to be asked behavioral questions. And so because nothing is worse than being asked a behavioral question, knowing you've got examples, but you blank because you're nervous. So let's say that happens, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a question that's come at you. You actually know the answer to it, but you're not able to access it because whatever, you might've had too much caffeine or, or you're nervous or you're, you know, you're, you're more concerned about, oh my gosh, is, you know, the rapport feels a little weird and you're just, (laughs) you're off your game, right? Yep. So it's always okay to ask a question to clarify the question. So before you like answer, uh, before you're really clear on what the question is, say, Hey, I just want to make sure I understand that. Are you, is this what you're asking? And that gives you time as you rephrase that question to get your answer straight. Mm-hmm. Don't try to ramble. Don't try to BS. Uh, you know, try to answer. Try to try to be succinct. Mm-hmm. It's okay to ask. Hey, I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. This is what I think you're asking. Is that correct? It is more than okay to ask that. It's imperative because if you try to BS your way around it or figure it out as you go along and like go down the winding road of thought, they're thinking you're not a good communicator. They're thinking they can't put together succinct thought. They don't organize their thoughts well. They're thinking you have ADD. Oh, yeah. But it's red flag city. So so I'm laughing because I'm thinking, and also, please, people, another one, you can take out that you work too hard is your weakness. You can also take out saying, that's a great question. When it's like, <laughs> tell me about your career and how you got to where you are today. That's a great question, Kat. No, it's, you know, you can use that. You can use that if it is a good question, but yes. don't, don't plan on doing that every damn interview because that might actually get back to, yeah. you know, so if you're going to compliment, if you're going to compliment, be sincere. Yes. Because people use that's a great question because they heard it in some interview thing. And also because they're buying themselves time to think. Hmm. Those of us who interview all the time are like, uh-huh, yeah, it's brilliant. It gets my, sarca- my sarcasm going like nobody's business. Right. But asking clarifying questions, say, okay, give me a minute. Let me put this together. Especially for behavioral things, it's important. But also if they ask you some kind of test question or how would you approach X, Y, Z? How would you approach the problem of of getting us into the small, medium business vertical? You want to ask some clarifying questions. Well, what do you, how do you define small, medium business? Or is there a specific industry that you'd be interested? So you're asking clarifying questions to make sure you understand what they're looking for. They're going to see that you're not just shooting from the hip, that you're thoughtful, and you can then put together a better answer. And it is okay to take a breath before you answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is more important for your answer to be succinct. When you wander, 
their minds wander too. And you do not want that to happen. Yeah. You lose, you lose them. And they think they judge your communication skills. Yep. Other red flags, Kat, that you need to be aware of when you're interviewing and thinking about. What are some others? You don't want to be a candidate that is all about me, right? Me, me, me. Even though we're advising you, you want to make sure that this job covers what you need. There's a way to do that without coming across as a selfish, egocentric person. Mm -hmm. And asking questions like, do you have flex hours is not me, me, me. It's just a question you need answered. Mm -hmm. Asking about what's your career development or, or even better question, hiring manager, Tell me about the person that you've developed that you're most proud of. Give them a behavioral interviewing question and how, hear how they've developed a person. Wouldn't that be great to know? But if every answer, oh, well, I launched this and I, I, oh yeah, you had no team behind you, BS. When you only use the word I and never use the word team or we or, we, or other people that were with you along the way. The best leaders are the ones that praise their team. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad strategy is in the interview process to talk about what an amazing team you worked with. Mm-hmm. And even the best individual contributor knows that they're not in a bu- 99% of the time, they're not in a bubble. So thanks to these people who were also working on this project, or I knew I had to call in the expert in this when I, you know, in order to get this project mm-hmm. finished. Mm-hmm. So I really relied on my IT person because I had to download all this software in order to get this done. Yeah, mm-hmm. you worked with other people. Check. Not, I'm the hero with nobody else. I'm alone on the mountain. Well, you can stay alone and not on someone's team. Right. And you also don't want to be blaming other people. You know, watch watch the blame game. You know, if you can't take responsibility for a mistake or a project that may not have been as stellar as expectations, mm-hmm. that's a problem. And there's okay with saying, I raised a red flag and nobody listened, you know, or I said, I don't know that we're going to be successful with this, but the feedback was that we wanted to go ahead for these reasons. And so I did the best I could and went along, but I felt okay about it because I had thought it might happen. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, I, I did what I was told because that's my job. Mm-hmm. That's Okay. That's blaming someone else, meaning I didn't make the decision to go forward with this. I didn't think it was a good idea, but I did it because that was my job to do it. Right. That's okay. But if it's, oh, we would have been fine if it wasn't for Sally, mm-hmm. maybe that's true. Maybe Sally totally messed everything up. And, you know, everyone knows a Sally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but don't, don't throw Sally under the bus in the interview process because it shows that you do that and people don't like that. It doesn't make you sound good. It's just not a good, it's not a good best practice. Mm-mm. So instead, figure out how you can, or don't use that story even better. But mm-hmm. if you get stuck with that story, figure out how you're going to portray that story without only pointing the finger and think of a number of different things. Like, you know, looking back on it, I don't know that we had put together the right team of people. Mm -hmm. And looking back on it, I would have had someone who was more of an expert in this so that they could have really led us in the right direction. So again, was it Sally's fault because she was dead weight? Maybe. But you're thinking bigger picture and more holistically. 
what's something else? So, so we're really nice. We're, we're a great team player. What else? You want to be able to show during the interview process that you actually listen. Mm. A lot of times people come in, I, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this list. I'm, I mean, I know you have, where people come in with their own agenda and have their panned responses and they answer, they answer a totally different question than the question they've been asked. Oh my God. Yeah. It's not a good idea. No. And sometimes I'll be like, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. I asked you about a product you launched and then you say to me, well, let me tell you about my whole career and you're going mm-hmm. hither and yon. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I know that's not the question I asked. Let the person interviewing you control the interview. Mm-hmm. You're not the interviewer. You're the interviewee. Mm-hmm. And even if it's for a high-end sales job, let the interviewer manage the interview process. I, how many times have you had to pull back with a candidate and say, let's, let's, let's start over here? Right. Or say, what I meant to ask was, and ask the same darn question because you still didn't get the answer and you don't yeah. know what they were talking about for the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So listen to the question. As Kat said before, clarify the question if you need to, mm-hmm. but make sure you're answering. If I ask you, I do a lot of product recruiting. So if I say, tell me about the last product you launched, that is not the opportunity for you to say, let me tell you about my career. Mm -hmm. I'll get to what I need to know about your career. I've also looked at your resume, so I may not need to do that. Mm -hmm. But I want you to answer what product did you launch? I don't want to do the career thing at that moment. And so what you're showing me is that you have, you're not listening to what I asked and you really don't care what I want to know. Not good answer my question and trust that I'll get there or not. Maybe I don't need to know. Right. That's another one. Any others? Yeah. Be consistent with your stories. (laughs) Interview teams communicate with each other. I've worked for companies that have a process where the whole team will get together in a room to recap their interview with a candidate. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling one person one story and another person another story and a third person yet another story, yeah, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. And I have seen perfect, I mean, really strong candidates for roles not be hired because there was a trust factor because they were being shifty with their stories. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they told me they headed up the project. They told me they were just a member of the team. They told me, and your stories have to line up. And they have to line up with your resume, by the way, because if they don't, you will be caught and it just starts the question game. And as much as I like to think that people want to be inclusive when they're interviewing, they are trying to see, is there a reason I shouldn't hire this person? It's a human nature thing. It's not like them against you. But if they're like, ooh, are they telling me the truth? And they start doubting your integrity or your truthfulness. That's going to set it off red flags and they're going to hear you through a different lens. Tell the same story. Always have the same role, the same numbers. And that's why preparing your stories ahead of time, because maybe you have to see how big was that project? Was it a $2 million project or a $3 million project? If you've done your research about yourself to remind yourself of what you've done, then you're not going to say $2 million to one interviewer and $3 million to another. You're going to have your story straight. Yeah. So just be consistent mm-hmm. and be honest. Mm-hmm. Be honest. It, you know, it's so much easier when you're honest and you, you share the same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, a, again, another best practice from Kat and Liz. Be honest. Yes. The honest story is the only story you can remember for sure. But again, 
you may not remember, was it 2 million or 3 million? So remind yourself beforehand, but if you give a number to one person, give the same number to the next person. So what else? I think seeing your impact in terms of the big picture and being able to say how you contributed. And I don't care if you were a support person on the team. You contributed to the team's success, and you can see the big picture of how it went and what you contributed. Support people contribute so much more than, oh they, get, than they get credit for contributing for. Mm-hmm. I got to do a, uh, a shout out here, but to parents who are raising children, we've got to teach our kids that skill. Because so many people don't have that skill. And because I think of what I do, I'll say to my children, who else helped you get there? Mm. It wasn't just you. If they do a project, who helped you? Did you thank them? Which gets us to our next point. When you're interviewing, and basically when you're doing anything, but when you're interviewing especially, send thank yous. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, it used to be written. Now we're modern Every now and then people still send the written ones. And it, oh, I love it's, that. It's, it, it is a special touch because it's much more rare, but you don't have to send a written thank you note, but it is nice. Uh, but definitely, you know, shoot an email and do it like the same day or the next day at the latest. Mm-hmm. Really try to do it the same day. The more on the ball you can be, the better. Yep. That shows that you're interested in the position. And in those thank yous, Kat. Take notes in the interview. So mm-hmm. I talked to Kat. The like Kat mentioned that her dog was under the weather. So in my thank you to Kat, I'm going to thank her for her time and her insight and her awesomeness. And then I'm going to be like, and I hope your dog's feeling better. Mm-hmm. Because what does that say to Kat? Wow. What a caring person. They're great. They were really listening. Now, when you were in that interview, you were scribbling little notes and on cat's notes, it says dog six because you're talking to six people that day and yep. you're not going to remember who nope. it was at the end because you're going to be fried. But that little note helped you to remember and then Kat thinks you're so thoughtful and caring and wonderful that she recommends a strong hire mm-hmm. for you because you remembered. The thing is, the stronger rapport you can build throughout the entire process, Mm -hmm. the better you're going to be positioned as a candidate. Mm -hmm. And that being said, if you're an introvert, you can't pretend to be me and Kat when you're in there because it's not you. And so we're like, oh, build rapport. And you're sitting here saying, I'm an introvert. That is like my biggest nightmare. Start with the simple stuff. Look people in the eye. Smile. Thank you. Smile. Say thank you. Be pleasant. Be honest. You know, be succinct. Yeah. All the things we're talking about. Just kind of write a list and, and study that and you'll do well. And have your questions ready. Mm-hmm. Have your stories ready so that when I say to you, tell me about your time programming and go last week. Oh, really? That's a great answer. Have a oh, I've, I was working on a project where we were doing X, Y, and Z, and we used Go programming because that was the best language. We felt that that was the best language to get accomplish our goal. You don't have to talk on and on, but don't make me feel like I'm pulling teeth if at all possible. Because a good interviewer is going to continue to delve deeper and keep on asking you, asking you until they de- until they decide this person has the competency or they do not. Mm -hmm. Because I asked them the same question five different times and they couldn't answer it. This is your opportunity to share what you know. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, clarify the question if you don't understand it. And 
if you think interviewing is something that freaks you out or that you're really nervous about or I can't do it, that's when you call a career coach and we will practice with you. We will help you get those stories right. Like, I know that there are people listening to this right now. They're like, oh my gosh, I cannot do what they're saying. You can. That's when you hire someone that can help get you over the hump because we can help you do this. There's nothing wrong with sharing your experience in the best possible light. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is why we've spent so much time talking about making sure your stories are straight. But So, you know, again, it's all about being honest and kind and clear about what you want and what you need and and what you can offer the company. When you're open and honest in the process, hopefully the hiring company is as well. Mm -hmm. That's when you create a good fit. It's all about fit. Mm -hmm. It's your job to establish whether the job is going to be a good fit for you. You you can't listen to what the interviewer is telling you. You, I mean, you want to listen to the interview, but you've got to do more than that. You know you better than they'll ever know you. The only person they're going to know is your interview self, which is great and should be authentic. But let's be honest, it's not the warts and all you. It's your interview self. That's all they're going to know. You know you, you've lived with you your whole life. You have to be your own advocate. You have to be your own evaluator of the position for you and your happiness in your life. You have to be the CEO of your own career. You may not be a CEO as your role, but there is only one CEO of your career and that's you. Absolutely. And on that note, (laughs) we're done. We are done. You have gotten the job. We're so proud of you. And we hope that this is really helpful in your pursuits of your next job. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. I'm on Twitter at Liz B. Consult. I'm on LinkedIn. We are at Real Job Talk on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Ask us what we didn't answer. Cat, you are at? I'm at Daily Cat on Twitter and Instagram and Kathleen Nelson Troyer on Facebook, Real Job Talk on Facebook and Kathleen Nelson Troyer on LinkedIn. So you can find us. Just look on the podcast page. We are accessible. Very. Looking forward to hearing from you. And until next time. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.